He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What's good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And guys, obviously, it's not technically golf season, even though it technically is. It's it's semi-off season, as uh, golf in this time of the year always is, guys. So we can kind of go into a little bit of a grab bag of different things. But guys, I figured let's start with the big news around here for all the Oklahoma golf nerds. That is the fact that Oak Tree National opened over the past weekend, Woody, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on what you think now that it's done and, you know, most of it's done. And and obviously the practice facility looks awesome. They're still getting things together with that. But as far as the front and back nine being open, 17 holes of it's open, Woody. It looks awesome. I drove around it last night. The Bermuda Greens, I was curious to see how the front nine was. So I, I drove around with you about a month ago on the back nine, and it, it almost looked ready a month ago on the back nine, but they did the front nine later on. They redid the front nine later on, and I went out last night uh, to check it out, Woody, and these greens, even on the front nine, which were redone later, like I just said, were absolutely pure. I cannot wait to get out and play some more golf. I'm probably going out to play nine holes after this, Woody. I, I'm really excited about it. Well, and, and we should be excited about it. I, I saw Everett. It was probably, um, oh, I'd say two, maybe three weeks ago was when I actually was able to see Everett Dobson, the owner of Oak Tree National. And I told him then, I said, if you wouldn't mind, would you say a prayer for me? Because obviously you've got a uh, an inn with the man upstairs. And the reason why I said that to him was the weather. Even though we're tired of the heat, Oak Tree couldn't have asked for a better fall. We've had 90-degree weather, guys. For the last, I don't know, three months, and we're still pretty warm. So, well, that's why Sam, that front nine just looks so good because we had another three, four weeks that we normally don't get in September right. and October already that we've still had heat. So, Bermuda grass loves heat. So, I'm really excited for Oak Tree. I'm excited for Everett that we got the right weather conditions. Now we just don't need a real hard winter where we get a bunch of real, real cold if we can help it, God willing. And uh, I think what you're going to see, I think you're already hearing great results, great reviews. Everybody I've talked to has said, hey, these greens are perfect. And, and we kind of thought that going in with this Tip Eagle Bermuda, we were really excited about it. But I'm like you. It looks like I'm not going to get out there until later in the week. But uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for everybody out there. I know those guys have been bored out the kazoo. They're ready to go. They're ready to be golf pros again. And uh, we're looking good is what it sounds like to me. 100% Woody. And why don't we just take a quick break earlier than normal in the show. And then after the break, we'll hear straight from the source. Tom Jones, general manager at Oak Tree National here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Stay with us. When something the size of a golf ball hits your roof, you need to call McRae Roofing. McRae Roofing is Oklahoma's designer roofing service specialist. For years, Jeff McRae and the experienced team at McRae Roofing and Exteriors have served fellow Oklahomans by helping them with their roofing needs. 
McCray Roofing uses only top quality materials and professional crews to make sure that each job is done right so it will give you the years of service, security, and protection you need from the unpredictable Oklahoma weather. McCray Roofing offers residential and commercial roofing, ventilation services, and custom copper designs. McCray Roofing is dedicated to exceeding the homeowner's expectations. It's not just a roof. It is your home's crowning glory. Call McCray Roofing today at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Make sure to also visit their website at McCrayRoofing.com. That's M-C-R-A-Y Roofing.com. Don't get caught with a leaking roof. Contact McCray Roofing for your free inspection today. We are back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And guys, I'm excited to bring on the general manager of Oak Tree National. That's Tom Jones. And we were just talking about the great changes that Oak Tree has made, Tom. And I'm just curious for you to kind of go through your general thoughts of the process and maybe take us from the beginning to where Oak Tree is now. Because I went out there last night and looked around the front nine, Tom, and I was just over the moon about how the greens looked. They look awesome. Well, you know, we, uh, so far the reviews are really good. We, uh, we're really excited about making the change to Tiff Eagle Bermuda. And, uh, we think it's going to take the golf course to a new level. And, you know, this grass, of course, parallels our golf season and loves the heat. So, uh, as we all know, most, uh, bent grass greens in this part of the country really struggle to get through July and August and especially to keep them in, you know, championship condition. So it's, uh, I'm glad you thought they were nice. And yeah, it's, uh, it's a little eye opening for a few, uh, players that are just, you know, are playing this. We started this weekend, we opened up and, uh, it, it's, uh, it's going to be a lot different. It's, uh, the ball doesn't hold as well. Uh, you've got to, you got to be in the fairway to be able to hit one that's spinning so you can hold it, have a chance to hold the green. But, uh, yeah, you get in the rough and try to hit it into this green, it, it, it's not going to stay on the green. Hey, Tom, what do you think? I mean, we've heard a lot of numbers, but how much more difficult, how many shots harder do you think? Is, is Oak Tree National going to have its teeth again is my question. Is it going to be where we remember back in the day when you and I used to have to qualify there for Oklahoma State's golf team that just used to beat the dog dump out of us? Yeah. Uh, what What are you expecting? How much How much more difficult because of the firmness and the speed that we can keep these greens? And what do you expect? Well, I, I think for a really good player, I think it's, it's going to go up about three shots. And then I think, uh, you know, at least three shots. But then I think for the, the higher handicapper, I think it's going to go up, you know, about six, seven shots. Uh, it's just, it's just going to be, matter of fact, we just had it re-rated last Thursday and we went to, uh, 79.9 and 155 on the slope. So that to give you any indication that moves us, Keough Island was 79.6 and 155 rating and so now we're 79.9 so that's about all you want i think as a golfer you don't uh you know if 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 you come off the 18th hole pounding on your chest saying this wasn't much uh i'm gonna go caddy for him and just carry a big money sack 
Yeah, I didn't know. I didn't know that course could get any harder, guys. But if it's going to be three or four shots harder, I don't know if someone like me gets brutal that test. But but Tom, you, you kind of alluded to this earlier about how Bermuda loves the warm weather. But on the contrast of that, it really does not like cold weather very much. So what right. changes will you and your staff have to make during the winter months to make sure that the greens will stay in tip-top shape like they are now? Well, you know the, the what what happens uh, with the Bermuda in the winter time. Uh, you just have to watch the temperatures, and right now, I mean, I think when they're new, the the tolerance is 25 degrees. So anytime you get to 25 or less, you you have to tarp the greens and make sure. Obviously, here in Oklahoma, that the biggest challenge with the tarps is getting them secured down with our wind. So uh, you know that's going to be a little bit of a learning curve. But we've been experimenting with the Tip Eagle now for about five years. And on the uh, chipping green that we were using, we, uh, we in a normal winter, we would only cover it about eight times. So we feel like that's a really good trade-off uh, for, you know, having, you know, tournament-type greens during the golf season. And the, the new tolerance, actually, we're going to be conservative at 25, but actually the new tolerance now is about 20 degrees. So once they get in and are established, you, uh, you you don't even need to cover them unless it's going to be below 20 degrees. Tom, I'm curious to get the changes, not just the greens, but the other changes you've made around the course. I mean, right when you go to the parking lot, you see the main change, which is the putting green uh, that will be done next year sometime, right? And so uh, I'm curious to get, were, were there any other changes around the course that Oak Tree made other than the greens? Well, we did, you know, up here around the clubhouse, for example, we redid our whole short game area. Uh, now it's a lot more functional. We've got uh, one chipping green that you can hit 30-yard shots into from uh, about 360 degrees. And then we've got uh, another chipping green that you can hit 90-yard shots into that green. It's like a little par three, but you got all these different levels you can practice off of. But what we we extended the first tee, of course, by 30 yards. Uh, we put that that tee now kind of just out into the middle of the putting green. The new putting green is 14,500 square feet of putting surface. You can actually hit a 220 foot putt. <laughs> so I have a feel, uh, so I have a feeling we're going to have some closest to the hole contest with a putter. You know, uh, people will be out there trying to see how well they can lag the ball from 220 feet which as you know you don't get get too many of those you might get you might get one in scotland uh one that long but uh i would say you need to work on your iron iron game if you've got too many uh 220 foot pots (laughs) but uh it's uh no it's out on the golf course we combined the uh eighth the eighth tee the par three and the tee for number six we have a new championship tee for number six the short par four and we just made it one big tee complex so that's kind of a neat feature when you get out there and uh, you'll have uh, have those holes together but it didn't really do much uh, as far as changing anything else the contours on the green we use the 3d imagery that uh, and they come out and they these guys shoot the greens before and then uh, we put them back exactly the way they were. They, they are accurate within a sixteenth of an inch. So it's, uh, 
you know, we really, it just, uh, we, we felt like the surface, we did do some uh, uh, collars, you know, the collars and the approaches. We put the n- a new Tahoma Bermuda on, and that, that's going to be a great feature because you can scalp that down so low that you could putt it. And uh, so there's going to be some runoff areas that uh, weren't uh, quite as uh, prevalent before. But, uh no, all in all, still. I mean, uh, I think Woody alluded to it. We put, we I think we put some at least a few teeth back in it, and some people argue we put a full set of teeth back in it. But uh, it's, uh, it, I think it's going to get it back where where it should be. It's a it's a championship golf course, and that's that's what it's meant to be. Tom, I was reading uh, our emails that go out, and I, I was I was curious about this. I knew we'd have to do it, but. Um, it said that on Tuesday morning, we weren't going to play the golf course before 11 o'clock because they were going to be taking care of our greens at that time. Would you go into what I know what I've seen, you know, between the verticutting and the, the top dressing, but ex- explain if there are some of our members going to be listening to this and other people, why that is so important. Because if you don't take care of this Bermuda grass, it goes from one of the best playing surfaces to one of the worst. Wouldn't you agree? I, I agree 100. percent I think, well, one thing that, that first of all, that most clubs are usually closed one day. They usually closed on Monday anyway. Well, we're open seven days a week, so you know to have, have uh, let the superintendent have four hours or so on a Tuesday morning to go out and do some things where he doesn't have to worry about golfers is you know is uh, is you know something I I feel like we need to do. And, you know, because if you don't stay on top of these greens with light verticutting and, and top dressing, that's when the grain starts creeping into the, the Bermuda grass. And I think that's where, you know, everybody that has played much golf when they would play on Bermuda, one of the hardest, I mean, let's face it, putting, though the game's hard enough and then putting is hard enough anyway. So when, when you got to add the factor of, of doing uh, reading grain into the putt, also that that just makes it a little too much, and it's uh, you know well, you can't get it to the hole going into the grain, and you can't stop it going down grain. So I think that uh, so our goal is to make sure that uh, when you putt on these greens, you don't have to worry about reading grain. You just have to get it on the line you see, and and hopefully you've read it right. Tom, National has hosted some very prestigious tournaments over the years. PJ Championship, obviously, 1988, two uh, senior majors, and the trans uh, miss a very big amateur tournament that I actually played in back in 2012. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, wow. the changes you guys have made to the course, what does the future of competitive golf uh, look like for Oak Street National going forward? Well, you know, right now we're in negotiation for a big tournament. Uh, we can't say right now because it's not finalized. But uh, you'll be seeing another major coming back here. And so that'll be very exciting for the community and the club. It's, uh, you know, we also did the, you know, you remember the 84 amateur, U.S. amateur. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. you know, it's, it, it's that kind of course, you know. The, it's, it's, the design is timeless. Uh, Pete Dye did a wonderful job, you know, in 1976 for this thing to just, I mean, we've only added a, a few tee boxes when you really get down to it. I mean, we're up to, we can stretch it out now to about 7506 on yardage, 
which, you know, with the angles we have here and the undulation in the fairway, you know, it, 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 could, uh, it could host any kind of tournament. I mean, we could host a U.S. Open. If, but, you know, here again, the, the, only, the only holdback that we really have, uh, the tournaments have got so big that, uh, that we've got a few areas where a crowd, moving the crowd through is an issue. So, uh, but outside of that, this golf course can hold its own for, for any type of competition. Oak Tree seems to be more welcoming, not only to pros, but to younger players as well. Tell the listeners that might not know um, what your relationship is with competitive golfers, maybe not even pros, but junior golfers as well, because I've seen more and more juniors out at Oak Tree National in the last 10 years than probably ever. Well, when I came, I've I've been here 10 years now, and when I came, Everett Dobson and I sat down and you know, I told him I thought that uh, we needed, you know, let's face it, we've had the Oak Tree gang that was here in the early days of Oak Tree, and it was a great addition and, and very popular, and people loved seeing them around. They chose to live here, uh, and uh, you called it home. And I think it really, uh, you know, kind of showed that we were about competitive golf and, and championship golf. So, when I came, I, I told Everett, we, you know, I hate to say it because I'm in that category with those guys, but our guys are, they're getting a little old and uh, not playing much anymore. And I said, we needed a fresh uh, crop of uh, players. So, you know, with, you know, my connections with Oklahoma State, with the University of Oklahoma, which are two great golf programs, putting out a lot of really good players. I said, man, we got to keep those guys around here. Uh, and so we ended up, you know, I, I just kind of put the word out there and they join, they actually become members and they, cause I, you know, you don't want to be a guest, you know, when you're trying to work on your game, you want to feel, if you want to sit there and hit 400 balls, that's, you know, that's what you want to do. But if you're a guest somewhere, you're certainly not going to do that. So, you know, we started cultivating the pros first, the young pros, and we've got an unbelievable group. And I don't think there's any course in the country that has as many uh, tour players as we have on all the different uh, tours. Whisper Rock might be one that, uh, you know, has as many, but out in Scottsdale, but we, you know, and then, so what happens then is you, it's a little bit of a trickle down effect of of the parents that want, you know, that have a, a boy or a girl that's really interested in golf that, would like to just see how far they can go in golf. I mean, what they see these players that are at the, at the top of the world in the game of golf. Well, they watch their work ethic. They're around them. They see how they carry themselves. And there's nothing better than uh, for a young player to have that kind of uh, influence. So it's, you know, I, you know, we, we don't have like a junior program per se, but uh, Steve Kimmel, our director of golf, makes sure that these guys know the right etiquette. We don't we don't put up with any tantrums or things like that out on the golf course, and uh, you know they they learn a lot of respect for the course. So I think it's just a, I think it's a great breeding ground for these young players, and it's it's showing, and it's uh, we I think you're going to see some of our own product. Uh, young players that grew up here will end up uh, be, having their picture on the wall up there as a pro someday. 
Tom, we won't keep you much longer. I got one more question for you, though. Besides the golf course, which I think people don't realize, we're going to get these greens. Everything's just going to get better as it matures. But tell me a little bit about what we're doing off the clubhouse because that looks fascinating to me. And I'm no engineer, and I don't know anything about architecture, but it looks like we're going to have a really cool – like patio and a halfway type of house. And I don't think anybody's really talked about that. And I'm curious about that. Well, yeah, we've got, uh, we're adding, uh, we've got about a 1800 square foot patio that uh, will be really nice and will be set up for, you know, whether you just want to sit around outside and it sits right behind the first tee, looking out over the, the putting lawn. And, uh, that's going to be a wonderful place to sit. And yes, we have, a uh, uh, halfway house that we're getting ready to start constructing that's going to be it'll be kind of a hangout you know and it's uh so uh we're really excited about that too it's, it'll set between the ninth green and the uh and the practice range so you'll just go right by it on your way to 10 be able to grab something to drink or eat or snack but i think we're going to have a lot of people just hang around out there because it'll have a bar and uh you know some other amenities but you know, those are, to me, are kind of the icing on the cake. I mean, you know, as we know, the most important thing out here is the golf course uh, because it is just, it's a golf club. You know, it's not a country club. And uh, so it's, uh, no, but we have a lot of exciting things going that's going to, you know, you know, just be uh, some extras, I guess. Well, Tom, I think that everyone can agree, all golf fans in Oklahoma can agree that not only you, but Everett Dobson and Steve Kimmel and everyone involved in this whole project, we all owe a big thank you to for bringing such a great course and and facility um, to Oklahoma City. So big thank you from us at the 73rd hole, Tom, and thank you for coming on today. Well, you're welcome. It's good being with you guys, and thanks for, for what you guys do for golf. Uh, that's it's real important and we've got such an unbelievable golf heritage you know and history here in Oklahoma and you know we we've got to keep it going big big thank you again to Tom Jones the general manager at Oak Tree National for joining the 73rd hole today and guys Tom Jones used to be out at the blessings and there's a big tournament out at the blessings in college golf this week you can actually watch some of it on the golf channel it's the blessings collegiate invitational and guys texas a&m with sam bennett who won the u.s amateur texas a&m is going out and beating arkansas right now texas a&m is five under right now through two rounds or through about one and a half rounds boys uh daniel rodriguez of texas a&m their three bag is six under on the tournament he is tied for first right now and so, guys, I mean, I think that if A&M goes to Arkansas and the Blessings and beats Arkansas, who is loaded this year with guys like Julian Perico and, and Segundo Pinto, and obviously we've talked about Fernandez de Oliveira, who is one of the top-ranked players on PGA Tour U, I think that that would be a big-time showing uh, from Texas A&M. I completely agree, Sam. I think that, obviously, we've been waiting on Arkansas. They've had some really good years in the past, and they've also had their moments where they go up and down. And playing a course uh, at their home course, I, I think, has given them a lot of advantage. Out of the uh, – I believe they have taken seven players. Whenever you put individuals and stuff, too, they're, they're, out of the seven players, the worst player is 27. So they definitely know how to get around that course very well. And, and referring to Texas A&M as well, we were kind of talking a little bit off the air. They were comparing the blessings to Carson Creek. 
And because I've never played the Blessings, I played Carson Creek. Well, of course, I have played is um in Texas A&M, some course down down in College Station, the traditions, mm-hmm. and it, it's not as hard as Carson Creek for sure, but there are a lot of similarities. Yeah. And so I think there are probably there's probably a lot of similarities between the traditions and the blessings. So I don't know. To me, That's Sam, I think point. that is probably a, another reason why I think that A&M and Arkansas are by far leading the field away because third place is Clemson at eight over par. So as of right now, there's still a little bit of golf to be played, and anything can happen. But Arkansas right now has a ten shot lead over second, so it's almost a runaway to two horse race at this point. Yeah, and absolutely. And Woody, I want to get your thoughts on Kansas because they do have the other guy that is tied for first. That's Gunnar Broyan, the two-bag for Kansas. But Woody, Kansas is 16 over here in this second round, and we talked a lot about Kansas football, obviously. Hopefully Kansas football doesn't fall off uh, this coming weekend having game day up in Lawrence. But, uh, but talk a little bit about the blessings and how it kind of entices those higher scores, or at least for one round, uh, when you're playing in a 54-hole tournament even if you throw an under par round out there? Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like a domino effect. And team golf can be that way. You know, you, you've, got, you've got scoreboards probably around. And the blessings, just like Carson Creek, I mean, they're both – I mean, it's like saying one's uh, Miss World, the other one's Miss America. They're both just so good. You know what right. I mean? Mm-hmm. They're great golf courses, but they are a disaster looking to happen and and you get it going a little bit sideways or you get it going a little bit south and you look at the scoreboards and all of a sudden you see some of your teammates aren't playing very good and you pressure up and try to make up for them and uh i guess it's kind of like any golf it can be a train wreck or it can be a really luxurious ride on a charter uh it, it just it's golf that's what it is and team golf turns so quick but you know if you look at the Big 12, whether it's football, baseball, golf, they're getting all these sports where we used to have the, the cream of the crop. It, the parity is getting more and more, guys. Just like you mentioned, Kansas football team, 4 0. What? Are you kidding me? You know, so when we're seeing it all through sports now, and it, it, it might be the portal. I don't know what it is. But the parity is growing now where I don't think you can look at any team anymore and go, yeah, OSU and OU are the top. Well, yeah, they are kind of, but look at all these other great players on all these other squads. So um, I just am not shocked at anything when I see in golf anymore. Yeah, and T-Dub, we're talking about Kansas. I mean, OU got a big transfer from Kansas, and OU, uh, I think after that first round down at uh, Colonial, right? I mean, they were like tied for 13th place. I'll I'll have to pull up the scores here, but it it just shows how deep even Kansas was losing their best player to OU. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, currently you brought up OU just there. They're sitting in 11th right now. They have about two or three old for a couple of players, OSU in the same field. They're currently in seventh. They are currently off the course. Um, so two two kind of lackluster finishes there, but there's there's a little bit more to each two of the, of the teams. They're both missing probably their best player. Patrick Welch is playing in the Shriners this week, so he's not in the field. And I don't know the reason why, but Brian Stark isn't in the lineup for OSU. So I find that um, interesting as both teams are missing very good players. So it might take a whole lot into it, but what is good from both these teams is for OU, Jake Summy. And for OSU, John Wild, both two true freshmen are, are in the lineup and playing halfway decently. Well, John Wild isn't having the best turn, but Chase Summy's in the top 25 as well. So really, really good to see those, those, those freshmen come up and play well 
but that neither one of the teams, Sam, have a player inside the top 15 currently. When do you think the last time that neither OU or OSU had a guy in the top 15 or in the same term? I don't know if it may have ever happened last decade. And you were talking about Kansas earlier. The Kansas transfer, uh, Luke Kluver, is uh, is in the lineup for OU as well. So he's not having the best tournament. He's currently plus nine. He's 61. He's actually done for the day. Shot 69 today. Uh, nice one at a par. So that's a little bit better finish there. So, yeah, it's interesting to see that, that OU has been able to get a little bit of turnover there. But they're def- OU is definitely missing uh, Patrick Welch, and we hope that uh, he'll do well at, at the Shriners this week. Getting, I don't know if it's his first PGA Tour start, but he definitely doesn't have that many. So if he could have uh, a good May cut, that would be awesome for him, especially now that uh, PGA Tour events go towards uh, your PGA Tour U ranking, which they should have done the first place. Absolutely. And Woody, I think you were the one that brought up the transfer portal uh, earlier. Let's go to the transfer portal because that's North Carolina this year getting Dylan Minetti, uh, who is their three bag. You might remember Dylan Minetti, who beat OU when he was playing at Pepperdine for a national championship. But he goes and, and uh, plays with Austin Greaser, who is their four bag. Austin Greaser played in the Masters. How good is North Carolina, Woody, when they have Ryan Burnett and David Ford? playing ahead of two guys. One of them has already won a national championship and the other um, has already played in the Masters, Woody. I mean, I think that your transfer portal thing was exactly right. Oh, I think uh, that portal thing has changed every sport. Every sport has changed dramatically because of that portal. But let's keep in mind, fall golf, okay, whether it's the PGA Tour or it's college, I I just, I think these kids are are tired, okay? So I don't really put a lot of I agree. merit. I don't Although, really put a lot of what merit. You, my college coach, fall. my college coach used to always say, if you don't play good in the fall, that means you weren't doing your work during the summer, you know? So it's kind of a catch 22 yeah. there, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, but, but I still believe that in any sport, you need a break, right? You, you need some off time. You need to refresh. You need to re recharge the battery, so to speak. And I think, spring is when these guys really gear up you know and prep up you know get ready for the nationals in june so i i watch it don't get me wrong i'm, I'm fully aware of what you're saying I, I love what i'm seeing with all these other teams that are kind of coming out of the woodwork but it just tells me that when spring comes around i don't know who or what team I think there's a number of teams where it used to be you could maybe go three, four, or five teams. I think they're 10, 12 deep this year where, where, you know, you don't ever think about it in North Carolina, but what you just said is spot on, Sam. They got some world beaters down there. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, you look at the springtime as they gear up, and we'll know a lot more come May, April, you know, stuff like that where we can start to say, okay, this team's really good. A hundred percent. Just to kind of wrap it up, T-Dub, North Carolina is in first at 15 under at Colonial. Texas Tech, maybe the best team in the Big 12 this year on paper, is six under in second place right now. And you have Arizona State, um, who we obviously saw in the national championship last year. They are five under in Pepperdine in fourth place as well. What is your way too early prediction um, kind of on the national championship, T-Dub? Well, it definitely takes way too early, but with all those players you just listed off for me, Sam, I mean, I think North Carolina's going to be pretty hard to beat. I mean, they, uh, you know, Dylan Manetti, the uh, Pepperdine transfer, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, that's just a, an absolute massive get for them, and that's going to elevate their team to an exceptionally new level. As we've seen right here, I mean, they're winning by nine shots over very good teams. They just lose to Arizona State, played 
and national championship. Pepperdine made the uh, made the final eight last year in Texas Tech. Uh, if they didn't make the final eight last year, like you said, they're one of the best teams in the Big 12, along with Vanderbilt, and then we already know what OU and OSU are doing. So this is one of the best college fields that I believe you'll see probably all year, in all honesty. So for North Carolina to go out and dominate, it's a big statement. But I, I do agree with, with some of what Woody was saying. It, all, it seemed to happen to me a lot as well. You just play so much during the summer, and you're just kind of ready for a break, a little shutdown. You know, So October it can be a fairly tricky month. Uh, for, for these college golfers or how much they played. So maybe it might talk a whole way to, a whole lot of weight into it, but just from what I've seen, I mean, I think North Carolina is going to definitely make a statement uh, in the spring, and as long as they don't start losing form, they'll be very, very hard to beat at Greyhawk. Woody, back when you were in college, could you imagine a time where, um, I don't even know, was the Golf Channel even a thing back then, Woody? But it, I don't know, but could you even imagine a time where we had the Blessings Collegiate Invitational uh, on national TV? Could you imagine, what would you have done uh, differently in college if you were on national TV when you were playing some of these tournaments? <laughs> well, we, no, we didn't have Golf Channel. We didn't have national TV. I probably had to change my underwear more. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean that that's why you guys this is why these kids come out of college I, I call them kids they're not kids they're adults they are prepped they are ready they have played under pressure they have played under the national television uh, viewing of them there, there is so much more now even junior golf uh, is so much bigger and better. When we were talking to Vince Gill the other day, hey, Golf Incorporated, I got to play nine whole tournaments, and I thought those were a big deal, okay? Uh, so everything that we're seeing with these golfers is they are ready earlier, they're prepped, they're better than they've ever been, and so that's why I'm not shocked that when these kids go and play a PGA Tour event that they're competitive. I expect them to be. A hundred percent. And we go to golfoklahoma.org. Like I always tell people to go and I'm on there right now. And Woody, it's the, the current headlines on golfoklahoma.org are team Oklahoma ready for a title run at the junior PGA league championship or Camus and go and, and uh, Wood are one, two, three as the OCU stars build their lead at the Grace Shin Invitational. Or you have the Tulsa women tied for first entering the final round of the Barbara Nicholas Cup at Muirfield. I mean, Woody, and we're talking about OU, OSU, and all this other college golf stuff. You're exactly right. That's just the junior and women's golf around here as well. It's, it's crazy. And, and guys, let's just say it because. This summer has been so, or this whole year has been so radically changing golf. If these young men and women start seeing the kind of money that the Taylor Gooches of the world are now pocketing, the Dustin Johnsons, the Bryson DeChambeau's, all of this, even the guys on the regular tour, I'm not just bragging about Liv, I'm talking about what Rory McIlroy made, Justin Thomas. Golf is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger because there is more and more money. There is more and more television. And let me just tell you this, guys. I played golf my whole life. I've never had a concussion. I've never had anybody come out of the gallery and tackle me. Now, I did blow out my patella, but that was my own doing from trying to hit a stupid shot at the Houston Open. But my body is not beat up like all these other sports. 
And if moms and dads are sitting around going, holy cow, this golf looks pretty cool. I mean, that's why, again, you were seeing so much influx of not just mm-hmm. good golfers. I mean, great golfers and young great golfers. They're coming out of the woodwork. You said it best, Sam. Walk out on that driving range at Upstream National and watch some of those young kids hit it. It's unbelievable. I mean, and you're a young kid. I mean, you know, so I, I'm, I just – I am flabbergasted at how good golf is becoming, not just in the United States, but around the world. And, guys, I mentioned uh, that it was on GolfOklahoma.org that Tulsa, the women, were tied for the lead uh, headed into the final round. And the Tulsa women ended up winning the Barbara Nicholas Cup at Muirfield Village Golf Club. Now, the scores were extremely high. Must have been playing really hard. But they get the seven-shot victory over Maryland. So, shout out uh, to the women Golden Hurricane T-Dub. I mean, that's pretty big time for Tulsa women's golf. And I, I guess I would consider them kind of my semi-alma mater, T-Dub. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's an absolutely great win for the Tulsa women's program. I just love that you always have to specify the Tulsa women's program like you have another option right. for, for a <laughs> <laughs> that's, exa- that's exactly right, unfortunately. Well, we need to start a petition. We were trying to get uh, a, a live event out at a national, but I think our next petition needs to get the Tulsa men's program back. Yeah, and shout out to Grace Kilcrease uh, for finishing tied for second at the Barbara Nicholas Cup. Big time win for the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Uh, Guys, we did see uh, another big story that isn't necessarily professional golf. I guess you could kind of consider it professional golf, but last week we saw Bryson DeChambeau, T-Dub, make a little run in the long drive competition. Uh, I'll go to Woody first, and then I want to get into the actual competition, but Woody, did you ever think you'd see a day where one of the premier players on uh, the PGA Tour now live uh, would ever you know finish it in the top you know five or so of a long drive competition the world long drive competition no no not in my wildest dreams because that wasn't ever even thought of John Daly was the first guy I'd ever seen that could really hit it long 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 but nothing like this Bryson DeChambeau and it, it the cool thing is is like him or dislike Bryson? I don't know. I, I, I don't care anymore. I don't, uh, I got too many things in my world that are going to interest me more than disliking or liking a professional golfer. But I got to give kudos to this dude. He is, he has stretched it further than I thought anybody ever could. I still worry though, Sam. I don't think a body can do that for very yeah. long. Right. I just don't think it can. So I, I hate for him chasing that, that for goodness sakes, what if he blew something out? Now he can't play regular golf. So I'm not trying to tell Bryson DeChambeau what to do, but I'd sure, well, I'd sure be careful. That's all I can say. Yeah, and T-Dub, I said top five. He really finished runner-up um, in Mesquite, Nevada, I think is where uh, this long drive competition was. And uh, he had a long drive of 426 yards. Or No, no, no. Uh, Germany's Martin Borgmeier uh, hit a long drive of 426 yards, which he won with over Bryson's 406. So, I mean, still really impressive to, you know, hit one 406 and finish second in a long drive competition, T-Dub. It, it truly is unbelievable. And, you know, I was just thinking about this guy. So, 
I believe it was leading up to about the 2019 President's Cup, because I remember there was a lot of talk leading up to that about Bryson bulking up. So let's just we would say it's been about three years on this process. And for people who don't remember, Bryson was one of the best amateur players of the last 20 years. I mean, he was absolutely unbelievable at SMU and won the USAM. And so he comes on the tour, actually won, I believe, two or three tour events before he even decides to make this bulk up change. Right, when he came out, he struggled for a little bit and then kind of got it figured out right before he started bulking up, right, T-Dub? Yes, well, remember he tried doing the side saddle putting thing. That's right. That was just an absolute epic disaster. I believe he was maybe the worst putter analytically of all time during (laughs) that stretch. But but just the, the amount of distance that Bryson's been able to gain, he wasn't short as an amateur by any stretch, but he was nowhere even close to, to this. What he's doing, hitting 406 yards and finishing runner-up in, in, a, in, a, in a long drive competition. So people can say what they want about Bryson. You know, Josh Allen was kind of making fun of him, as seen like the other day, after the Bills game with a rope and ducking under. Anyone who hasn't seen that video, it's pretty funny. But people have to give Bryson credit. He's, what he's done is absolutely remarkable. When it comes to distance, what he's what he's wanting, but I will say this about his game stamp. This has been the case for about two years now. His distance controls his irons and wedges is absolutely atrocious. It, it is abysmal. He he has, he, has, he can hit his seven iron inside of a twenty five yard window at, at any given time. So I, I think for Bryson, and, and depending on course setup, because if he gets on a Bombers Paradise type course, he can get away with it, but. I believe for him to start contending in major championships again, he's going to have to focus a little bit more on his distance control because that's something that, that's really been holding him back really ever since he won uh, the 2020 U.S. Open at Winsburg. Well, and Woody, we've seen some guys get it figured out as far as distance control with their wedges, um, especially some great drivers of the golf ball. And when the great drivers of the golf ball do figure out the distance control, they dominate like a Dustin Johnson. How hard will it be for Bryson to kind of get the irons figured out, especially after the end? Injury. He's going to have to make a decision, Sam. What, what is he going to be? Is he going to be known for how far he can drive the ball, or is he going to be known for winning majors and winning big golf tournaments? So I'm hoping he gets a wake-up call. This has been all kind of fun and games with him, but this is not his future. Long-driving contests are not his future. His future is golf, and he needs to go back and retool this winter and start thinking about playing just golf. Because if he doesn't, then he's not going to be able to figure out his wedges and his irons like P-Dub said. And, and he, you guys are right. When's the last time Bryson DeChambeau contended in a golf tournament, guys? When was it? I don't remember it. Do you guys? I mean, did he contend after Wingfoot in a couple tournaments? I'd have to go back and look. I wasn't prepared to you know, have a full Bryson discussion, yeah, okay. but I'm glad we are. So, I mean, he technically finished eighth at, at the British Open this year, but he was never really right. – I never thought he had a chance to win. Okay. And he's, he's finished top ten in two uh, of the uh, four live events that he's played. But, once again, his entire finish is T8 at Chicago. I never really thought he had a chance to win that. I thought that was Cam Smith uh, all the way. So, I mean, he's just dealing with some injury. I'll give him that. But uh, he just has his, has his moments. So, I think for Bryson, if he's going to continue this streak of being distant, he's going to have to just – Suck it up and say he's a streaky player. He's going to go through two or three month stretches where he plays absolutely terribly. He's going to go through two to three month stretches where he's an absolute world beater. No one can beat him if he's if he's if he's on fire. So I, I think that with the distance thing, with what he's doing, Bryson just totally took consistency out of it at all. He's just going to uh, kind of fly on a wind depending on uh, how his game and his body feels um, on a month to month basis. 
100% guys, and if you are not with Quail Creek Bank, you need to retool and revamp and go to Quail Creek Bank because they are the best bank in Oklahoma City, right, Woody? Tell us about Quail Creek Bank. By far, the the, the best group of people I've ever seen in any given bank. Friendly, friendly, friendly. I just keep telling you how friendly they are. You walk in the door and everybody's smiling. It, it is, uh, it's a quality bank with quality people. But they also have great individual loans, home loans, car loans, uh, just banking in general, savings accounts, checking accounts, no ATM fees. We could go on for a long time about how great Quail Creek Bank is. Until you go by it and check it for yourself, ladies and gentlemen, you're missing it. I've told you that. Quail Creek Bank, number one. Number one, and speaking of number one, let's talk about the number one golfer of all time, at least in my opinion's son. Charlie Woods goes out there to the Nota Begay Junior Golf Invitational, guys. And, and it, before we start talking about it, let's just take a listen from Charlie Woods uh, getting interviewed at the Nota Begay Junior Golf National Championship. Your golf career, it was a tap-in for Eagle at the par 5 14th to get it to 5 under. Woods cards a 4 under 68. He is now an alternate to play for the national championship. Charlie with his dad on his bag for 36 holes. Father and son teaming up for one of the rounds of the championship. Like so many fathers and sons out on the golf course, it's a family affair providing memories for a lifetime. Well, guys, we actually didn't hear from Charlie Woods in that video. I didn't take uh, the right video off of Twitter right there. But you did hear that, I mean, Tiger Woods is on the bag. It was a family affair. And what you can't see if you're listening to the podcast is Charlie Woods continues to be, Woody, the most technically sound, what, 13-year-old now that I've ever seen in my entire life. I know that he's going to have all the pressure of the whole world on him, but... I think that great technique can, you know, help some of those things out. I mean, he can't be that bad if he continues to swing the golf club that good. Well, no doubt. And, I mean, a gene pool speaks for itself. But the one thing that I think is the most, I guess, what I'm most excited about for Charlie, he actually looks like he loves the game. And it wouldn't matter who your father is. And, obviously, his dad's a pretty good golfer. But if he doesn't have that desire and that love of the game, it won't matter. I mean, he'll never be what his daddy was, even if he keeps after it, I don't think. But who am I to say? But he loves the game. And if he loves the game and he loves it in a way that he wants to just play and play and play, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if in about seven, eight years we see uh, Charlie Woods either on the PGA Tour or wherever he's going to be. It's one of the best technically sound swings I've ever seen, probably in general, let alone from a 13-year-old kid. And, and the thing that stands out to me so much about it is he has such good tempo, and the, temp, the tempo seems to repeat itself. I know that we don't see every single shot from the round, but even seeing it at the PNC Championship where we did see uh, every shot from the round, his swing just seems to, to have a very sim- the same tempo every time, which for kids that young, that's something that's really, really hard, on, especially whenever you start your uh, your transition on your downswing. So. And I will say this, too, about what I've seen from, from Charlie and Tiger's relationship. It doesn't seem like Tiger's forcing golf on him at all, which I think is an absolutely good thing. And I know that most of us will love Tiger 
but there are people out there who dislike him for his off the court stuff. But it appears that he tends to look like he's a really good father, and I think that should that really speaks a lot of volume. A hundred percent. I think you're right on the money, both of you guys with that. Uh, what I would kind of finish up with that is asking Woody, you know, if you were asked, I asked you this about Tiger. Now let's go to Charlie, the son. If you were Charlie's coach, what would you be uh, kind of telling him to do if his swing is already so technically sound? And, and what if he asked you to, you know, watch him hit a few shots? What would you tell him? Well, I think you got to remember that the only thing I see in this young man's golf game that could go south is that I've said it to you guys on a number of occasions, when they're that good, just check their basics. Make sure their setups remain consistent where their ball position is, uh, their alignment. Don't, don't mess with that golf swing, for goodness sakes. Don't decide you're going to. Uh, he's going to go to a one-plane or a two-plane, whatever is out there nowadays. Don't do it. Stay with his basics. I'd have him play a lot of golf. I wouldn't let him go to the range and hit a lot of balls. I really wouldn't. I'd get him on the golf course and make sure he was playing as many holes as he could every day. Uh, Because I don't think his golf swing is going to go anywhere south on him unless he just stands out there on the range and beats ball after ball after ball and then decides, well, I'm going to try this or I'm going to try this. For goodness sakes, just go to the golf course and play golf and have fun and shoot low numbers. Uh-huh. And, and one, real, one, real, yep. one real quick thing, Sam, I want to say that I think one area that Charlie will have an advantage over the majority of other 13-year-olds his age is when you're 13, when you're 13 to 17, your body grows and changes so much. And what I see from a lot of juniors that, that I work with is they, they tend to outgrow their clubs or they're given clubs that are too long for them that don't fit their body. Well, Charlie's going to have every resource available to where he could check his clubs every single day if he wanted to to make sure the swing weights are right and make sure that his length is appropriate for if he gains an extra half inch in the summer or something like that. And I think that's definitely going to help with any type of growing pains or learning curves that he's going to have going forward. No, I totally agree with that, guys. And speaking of Pops, uh, speaking of his dad, Tiger Woods, he announced his Hero World Challenge field for 2022. Um, And let me just read off some names here. Scotty Scheffler, who is the number one ranked player in the world. And I'll read these off in order of official world golf rankings. So it goes Scotty Scheffler, Xander Shoffley, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, Will Zalatoris, Matt Fitzpatrick, Victor Hovland, Sam Burns, Jordan Speed, Tony Finau, Billy Horschel, Hideki, Cam Young, Sungjae Im, Max Homa, Tom Kim, and then there's three to be announced. And uh, what Tiger Woods Legion on Twitter said is there's a high chance that it's going to be Tiger Woods, Ricky Fowler, and Shane Lowry uh, to fill out those to be announced spots there at the bottom, guys. But uh, Woody, what are your initial thoughts of that that field at the Hero World Challenge? Well, we're missing some great players. I guess that's what bothers me the most. But it's his tournament. It's his call. You know what I mean? So I would be surprised if he I, didn't invite the guys. Obviously, he invited Rory um, and Cantlay. Uh, is there anyone else? Those are the only two in the top ten that won't be there um, other than Cam Smith. Now, I don't know if he invited Cam Smith or not, but I would be shocked if he didn't invite Rory, Rory and Cantlay. Right, Woody? Right, right. And, and again, you got to take some time off. And, and Rory has played more golf, guys. I mean, he has played a lot of golf this year. So I'm sure he's he's needing to go home and take some break time. Um, 
I don't think he would have ever invited Cam Smith or Dustin Johnson or anybody on the live tour. They're not gonna they're not gonna do that this year. Maybe next year. Who knows? We'll just have to wait to see. And T Dub, that was kind of my next question was does this mean anything in regards to Patrick Cantley to live? I, I mean, I guess you could read a little bit more into that. It's something I hadn't even considered. Um, it's, it's a, I guess, a fairly good question. Um, I, I will say this. You know, we are, like what he said, we are missing some good players. But we look at the official World Golf Rankings, which is kind of a little bit diluted now. But at the same time, out of the 17 names you mentioned, Sam, the, the highest world ranking is 21 of, of Tom Kim. So, I mean, there's some very, very elite say, players here. Yes. And then, but, I mean, 22, 23, and 24 in official world golf ranking are Neiman, Dustin Johnson, and Abe Answer. So, official world golf ranking is actually, you know, starting to become very diluted, not just a little bit. That's a, it is a good point. And it's going to keep going that way more and more forward as long as Liv isn't getting any world ranking points. And it'll be pretty funny because, you know, I, I get what Ricky Fowler brings uh, to a tournament, but, and Tiger hasn't been playing very long, so I'm not going to include him, but we just mentioned a good world ranking point. Shane Lowry's way up there in the official world golf ranking, so he definitely won't do that. But Tiger and Ricky, their world rankings will definitely uh, be bringing it down, but for what they bring off the course in a big Tiger's tournament, it's, uh, that speaks for itself. But I, I'll tell you what, it, it's a good enough field to where I'm definitely going to watch it, and uh, I, I do think it, it is a staple for, you, know, you brought up Patrick Cantley to live earlier, and if that's a possibility. I mean, this, this event here gets world ranking points in the 21st in field. So, I mean, you, you tell me what that means, though. No, I, I totally agree with you. I'm definitely going to watch it as well. I think it's a big-time event, and anytime you put Tiger Woods' name on anything, I'm probably going to watch it. Speaking of that, that leads me to my next Tiger Woods subject, guys. The video game is coming out next week, and we know more about it. Um, you know, There's going to be certain courses like the Renaissance Club and, and some other courses that we haven't seen on PGA Tour 2K23. And so, guys, I, I'm pretty excited. Is there any chance, T-Dub, that you pay the $119 for the uh, Tiger Woods edition? Oh, it's tempting, isn't it? It, it sure is. I mean, I, I, I did, if it didn't have Tiger's name on it, there wouldn't be a, a chance in hell that I would do it. But if I can help feed uh, Tiger and PJ Tour's Monopoly, I might as well uh, go ahead and, and, and do it if I can. But uh, no, I, I'm just, I'll be excited to get the game. Um, I, I thought it was coming out later on in the month. It's kind of creeping up on me, so I may have to uh, make a swift purchase and get it down. I'm interested to see if uh, if all, if you'll be able to have the same custom courses that you had on the original 2K that you'll be able to transfer them over because there's been so many people that have spent so much time, uh, Sam, designing those courses, so that'd be cool uh, to get them over. And I think it's going to be a uh, – I, I have high expectations for it. I think it'll be a, a very good game. So usually what happens is when you say your expectations high, it's not very good. So hopefully I'm uh, hopefully I'm right in this <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And what we have to look forward to, at least at least in the video game world, is the fact that you have PGA Tour 2K23 that you can play for about nine months or so, and then NCAA football will come out. So now we have Tiger Woods and NCAA football out. So anyone in the video game world is very, very happy right now, guys. And that kind of leads me to my next... Next thing, and, and our last thing we'll get to on the show, and obviously we'll do a full preview tomorrow for the live event, but let's talk a little bit about Bangkok. I, I mean, this is the first live event that is way over there. Guys, it's going to be, if you look up the times online, they're, they're the exact same time, just switch the a.m. and p.m. because they are exactly 12 hours ahead. What are you guys looking forward to about live Bangkok, Woody? You know what? I was fortunate enough that 
I actually went and was in Bangkok, Thailand in 1980. And I spent a lot of time over there with Payne Stewart. And I'll tell you what, we don't have time today, but remind me sometimes. <laughs> I can tell you some great stories about Bangkok. We got to hear. Thailand. We got to hear one story about you and Payne Stewart in <laughs> Bangkok. That I mean, that has to be legendary. Well, it it, it was legendary it, 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 at the time. We didn't know it, but we were uh, we were on that Asian tour. This was way back when, guys. There was no corn fairies. There was nothing to do. You had to go somewhere to play golf. And Asia was your best bet. And uh, there was anywhere from 50 to uh, 40 to 50 Americans that would go over there. And uh, Payne and I got to be good buddies. And we went to the golf course. And we got there. And they had caddies that were there with us, waiting on us. Well, there were no men. They were all women. And Payne and I are looking at each other like, how's he going to scare this big old bag? And I'll be darned if those little girls didn't just grab those bags and away they went. But the funny thing about that story was after we finished our round and we came back and we were going to load up on our bus, Payne's caddy and my caddy thought they were just going to go home with us. <laughs> and we kind of looked at each other and went, we, we didn't speak Thai. So we were trying to explain to them, no, no, we don't need Boom Boom Happy Ending. We will be back tomorrow. You <laughs> wait for us. And, and it, well, it literally, we we had to just kind of push them away from the bus, and they were just totally dis. I mean, they were broken hearted. And I went, "Dude, we're gonna have to do this every day when we finish playing golf. We're they're gonna have to come with us." No, and he just started laughing. He goes, "Woody, we ought to just let them come home with us and just see what happens." And I go, "That sounds like you." <laughs> no, we didn't, but. Uh, I, I will tell you this, Bangkok, Thailand is a beautiful country, beautiful country. I look forward to watching it because I think this golf course will be fabulous. Uh, it's Until uh, you've really been to Thailand, you can't even explain to people how beautiful the landscape and all the flowers. And uh, they do have a lot of critters over there, like king cobras and monkeys and Stuff that you don't see at Oak Tree National. What, okay? Now, what you, so, is there, uh, there? There must be some elevation over there because this Stonehill Golf Club is is seventy eight fifteen. That's what they're going to play it at yeah. this week. Yeah, wow. there is a there is a bunch of elevation in that country. Uh, uh, luckily, I saw it with my golf clubs. I wasn't carrying an M sixteen like a lot of guys did. Um, <laughs> you know, over there towards Vietnam and Thailand and all that, but it's. It's just gorgeous country. You you just wouldn't believe how pretty it is until you went and saw it. So um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch. I think it'll be fun. T Dub, any final thoughts on Live before we get to it tomorrow? It's, it's pretty hard to follow that story. That's Woody. That's <laughs> legendary stuff there. <laughs> uh, the one thing I'll say is this is this is an ultimate tournament where the YouTube coverage is going to come in super clutch because the odds of me being up at two a.m to watch this golfer slim to none, so I'll catch it uh, the next day going forward because, uh, yeah, I will not uh, not be viewing that. may be able to catch the final few holes uh, when I wake up, but, uh, yeah, the 2 a.m. is going to come, uh, I guess, very late in this day. That's exactly right. Whenever we get up, we can uh, watch the highlights or watch the entire round on YouTube. And the last thing we'll cover today um, is the fact that Luke Donald and Zach Johnson were both overdoing their media tour 
in Italy uh, for the Ryder Cup. And an interesting quote, guys, came out, and we haven't talked about this even off the air, but I just saw this on Twitter, that Luke Donald says that the Ryder Cup can, quote, unify golf despite live. Now, isn't that an oxymoron, T-Dub? I feel like it could unite golf if you had players who are who's are, who are on live who should be on the team, a la Dustin Johnson is, is number one that comes to mind. It's a, it's a done and shut case in that deal. If he's trying to say that it can unify golf if we allow those guys to not play, I, I think that's a horrible precedent. That's what he's set. saying, and, yes. uh, Yeah, and at that point, it's, it just seems like to me, I just keep, I keep, it feels like anytime I watch anything like this, it's just a sales pitch to me on to why we don't need live. And it, it just, it, it's, it's frustrating in that sense. And I just, I wish that if they are going to have that, just try to promote the tournament in, in itself and don't try to, even just say things like that, you know, I, I don't, I, I think it's going to be an awesome tournament, even if not, because I think the U.S. is going to have a fabulous chance to pull off an upset, something that they, I don't believe they've done in my lifetime, and which has went over in Europe. So I, I'm definitely looking forward to it. I kind of, I said this off the air and I'll say it again. It's, uh, it, it, if we had the two captains of USA and Europe fight each other, it would be the biggest pillow fight I've ever seen. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's hope that we don't have to see that and they can just sit on the on the sides and at least throw us a good lineup because I don't want to see those two get in a ring. I will definitely fall asleep. And Woody, hey, uh, Sam, go ahead. Hey, let me – I was going to tell you guys, though, have you, have you noticed uh, the last couple of interviews with Rory McIlroy, what some of the things he said that he's – Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I fighting. Saw- I, I saw tired of the where fighting. Yep. And, and, and let me tell you something, guys. That's the first chink in the armor. And even though Jay Monahan is still staying the course, saying this, and Greg Norman still staying the course, when it comes down to it, if Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and a couple of those guys go to Jay Monahan and Dustin Johnson and Cam Smith and a couple other guys go to Greg Norman and they say, look, you guys got to quit. You're not helping us. We're, this is not helping golf. Let's figure this deal out and let's, whatever it is, but let's get it done. Those players are still the guys that are in charge, gentlemen. Do not, by any stretch of the imagination, think that Jay Monahan and Greg Norman are in charge of those two tours. They are not. Because without the players, those guys don't have a job. And, and I, I really don't think that Jay Monahan is in charge of the PGA Tour. I think he's a talking head for all the uh, investors and sponsors that the PGA Tour has. So uh, Rory saying things like that would have to uh, worry those sponsors a little bit if I were them, right, Woody? I think so. But it's, what we're finally starting to see for the first time is cooler heads. But, you know, guys, we got a little way bit. too much fighting. We got way too much fighting in everything we do. Every day, everybody wants to fight. Everybody wants to get their butt hurt some way so they can complain. I'm just sick of it. I'm just ready for these guys to get along. Come on, man. I'm not a genius, but we could figure this out. If you give us a closed room and some guys get together, they can figure this deal out. So I totally kudos agree. to Rory. I totally agree with that. But at the same time, I feel like Rory's stance has been pretty firm on the whole deal. I I think that, 
You know, sometimes, like we saw a couple months ago, he said that, hey, if someone pumps a billion dollars into the game of golf, I can't necessarily say that's a bad thing. What else did we hear from Rory about that subject? Nothing. Clearly, either he decided to stop talking about it or he was being told to stop talking about that, right? And so I I think that it's it's kind of even bigger than uh, even the top players in the world right now. Guys, one last subject here um, about the Ryder Cup is I did watch a full interview with Zach Johnson and and take Liv out of it for a second. Um, but just as far as the Ryder Cup goes, I mean, Zach Johnson may be the, the most boring slash worst Ryder Cup captain choice I've ever seen, at least leading into a Ryder Cup. Because, guys, this interview, it seemed like he was trying to kind of convince us why he should be the Ryder Cup captain, even though he already is. And then they asked him, you know, what can you do to fix the mistakes that you guys made in the three Ryder Cups that you played in and lost? And, and he kind of said, hey, you know, um, it, it kind of ends up being all about made putts and executing under pressure, which is technically out of my hands, but I'll try to put them in the best situation possible. I don't know if that's exactly what you want to hear from a captain, especially when you're the big favorite, right, Woody? <laughs> Zach Johnson. He is not what you call like over the top personality wise. Fred Couples would have been a lot more fun to see as our, our captain, but I think you know Zach Johnson's a bulldog, and I think those guys. If I had that team, you know what I'd tell them, Sam. The What's first that? tee is over there. This is your time. You go get him, Spike. I, I mean, what do you tell of the best players in the world? I mean, right. as a captain. He, he, he needs to stay out of their way is what he needs to do. Do like they do the President's Cup, where these guys play with the guys they enjoy playing with and go out and run over them like a Mack truck, just like we do every time in the internationals uh, for the President's Cup. Uh, have we not figured that out? What are we, uh, 11-1? and one? <laughs> <laughs> yep. And we're not, we're not talking the internationals aren't that big a deadbeat. They're not that much worse than the Europeans. I'm well, they telling you, they were not, this guys. year. They wouldn't have been if they let the live guys yeah. play. But right, but they're not a bad squad to be eleven and one. I, I'm I'm shocked at that. Still at that record. But maybe we ought to learn from the Presidents Cup. Maybe we overthink the Ryder Cup. Get them to Italy and and tell them where the first tee is and get out of the way. Yep. And I I think that a lot of it that I've seen the last probably decade or so when it comes to Ryder Cup is. Wherever the home, whatever home country sets it up, they're going to set the course up to definitely favor whatever team they have. So for Europe, it's going to be a very narrow course with a very heavy rough, like they did in, uh, in France in 2018, and it's going to be pretty hard for the for the Americans to uh, to do that. Like we saw with the Straits, more of a bomber's paradise, and, and so I, I think that's going to be one of the number one things that the Americans have to contend for. But the main thing that the captain has to do is there's a lot more, I guess, pressure when it comes to putting your lineups in. Because in most of in all the matches except the singles, you only play eight players, so you have four guys sitting. So you know you have to pick the right four guys and match up. Because you also play thirty six holes each day, so there is a, a different, unique dynamic there. But from what I heard from Zach Johnson, there he's just trying to seems like, sounds like he's trying to deflect any blame if he ends up losing. And uh, which, I, like I mentioned earlier, the U.S. hasn't won in, in Europe, I believe, in my lifetime. So it, it'll be def- definitely very, very heroic if they if they are able to do it, and Zach Johnson will go down as probably one of the best captains of all time if he is able to win. It's just I, and I'm very optimistic on the team, but from what I've seen from the captaincy, I, I'm not overly excited. 
and and T Dub, kind of the last thing that I heard Zach Johnson say of any worth really today, as far as the Ryder Cup goes, is they asked him whether it was a good or bad thing for the captain to have six picks now uh, this coming year. And he said he thought it was especially a good thing when they're playing overseas because he can kind of go more horse for course um, with guys that have played better across the pond as to where, you know, the, uh, the, the U.S. team can kind of set up the course a little bit more suited towards uh, guys. That all those courses over there seem to be a little more alike. And he was saying that he can kind of go based off history do you agree or disagree with him on that I agree that having more captain's picks is probably a a pretty good thing because it, it even when the captain Zach happens. Johnson <laughs> <laughs> well at the end of the day unless the guys that finished seventh or eighth on the points list are in live golf I don't see a, a world where they don't get picked so right. I mean is it is it really going to be that much different I, I I think one of the biggest changes was whenever they went from two captains six to four because I think eight or nine could definitely have a lot more discrepancy than, than seven or than eight would. So I, I don't think it's really going to change a, a whole lot. But I, I will say this: I, I would probably agree with having more captain six, but I wouldn't make it to where all twelve are picked by the captain uh, just for reasons like this. Maybe Dustin Johnson wins two majors or whatever will be number one uh, on the list, and they're not going to pick him. You know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, if you earn your way on there, you should definitely deserve to be there. What do you think about that, Woody, and what he said about the six picks? Well, he's got a good point, though. If if they're going to – if they grow the course, if they grow the rough up, make it tight, uh, you know, he might look for a guy that drives the ball straighter, Sam. So, it does – it makes a lot of sense. And, and I, like I say, Zach Johnson might be boring. He might be a lot of things, but he's not stupid. And he's played golf for a lot of years. He's got a good – He's got good input with those players on that tour still. So it's a year away. But if if we don't win this time with as many great golfers as we have, I don't know. At some point, then I'm going to give up when it comes to Europe. I think we win this year, no matter who he picks. Well, I guarantee you I'll pick the Americans next year. (laughs) You learned your lesson the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) Go out on that limb again for me. No, I'm definitely not going out on that limb next year. I'll I'll pick the Americans right now. I don't care. Uh, Anyways, boys, great show today. Big thank you again to Tom Jones, general manager of Oak Tree National, for coming on the 73rd Hole podcast. We'll be here tomorrow with the live preview for this weekend in Bangkok. Uh, Guys, definitely go visit golfoklahoma.org and visit Quail Creek Bank, but also please subscribe at the bottom of the podcast. That just helps us out. It's absolutely free. And follow us at the 73rd Hole on Twitter and at 73rd Hole on Instagram. Thank you, Woody. Thank you, T-Dub. This has been Sam Humphreys here on the 73rd Hole podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma.